You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Oh my goodness, this week we are talking about the marketing of a movie that has become more successful online premiere of the much watched digital movie on Hulu, Disney Plus and Star. We are talking about the fifth installment of the beloved Predator franchise. The movie is Prey. Let's watch and listen to the trailer together. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. Mamoy, Nita. something else. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time. My goodness, wow. Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've watched this twice now. So much uh, to say about this this movie directed by Dan Trachtenberg and starring a stellar cast of relatively unknown individuals at a time that is not always covered. You know, we are taken back nearly two, three hundred years back in time. Is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? We, we can discuss that, but it has had the most remarkable impact online and offline. Yeah, I mean, I think we watched this film the same night, didn't we? But we didn't 
talk about it with each other until the following day. Um, I, I didn't even know, to be perfectly honest, that there was a new Predator movie inbound. I certainly didn't know that they were taking the approach they have taken, effectively setting it well in the past and effectively focusing it on a group of Comanches in uh, in America, and you know, even even the the scenery of the film, the cinematography, the scenery is absolutely spectacular. I mean, it, it gets full marks from me just for that. Uh, but what I loved about this was effectively it was just absolutely back to basics. You know, if you go back to 1987, the original Predator movie was just great big monster hunting. A, 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 a group of blokes and then eventually it was just the monster versus um, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end and effectively that's what they've done they've gone back to here it's just warrior versus warrior or hunter versus hunter depending upon which way you want to look at it and I think that all the other Predator movies in between these two have probably gone too far. They've set them in cities or there's been loads of them or it's been aliens versus Predator and they've gone away from that original concept of warrior against hunter or warrior against warrior and i think this recaptures the 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 tension the excitement the violence i guess of that original but completely transports it into a different environment and yet because it's set in the past it's just that environment that becomes a sort of almost like the third star of the show do you know i've read somewhere and i think that's exactly right people saying they, mentioning, of course, the writers, the directors, the producers, really, they've understood what we have enjoyed about the very first Predator. Mm. Because Act 3, which is essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger against, you know, the Predator, the, the movie just goes into, you know, a completely different stratosphere, you know, and this kind of a mano a mano, it's, um, you know, kind of uh, bladed weapons, it's, it's, the guns are gone, and that kind of things, and it's all about kind of man-made traps and and the, the whole sequence, you know, when Al Schwarzenegger is getting ready by building weapons, by covering himself in mud and so on with that wonderful, you know, kind of uh, soundtrack, uh, Sylvester, for memory serves, is just wonderful. And then you have the fight and, of course, you've got the reveal. For me, what was interesting is I heard about a this movie some time ago, but we'll discuss about this, by the complexity of promoting maybe an online-only um, kind of bit of content. When I saw the headline that it was an Uli, uh, sorry, Hulu, should I say, Hulu original and an exclusive to Hulu, I just backed off thinking, oh, well, never mind. Uh, maybe one day I'll get a chance to see that. Uh, and that to me was... Um, the complexity of, of the marketing campaign because they were using three to four different distribution channels but the the key message that seems to come through and i know that it's a vagaries of of social media and the internet sometime it was only those who have had the chance to have a hulu account that we get to see it and of course we all got to see it on disney plus and staff in some territories yeah and and i suppose my initial thought when i saw it was that well if it's gone straight to uh the platform maybe it isn't actually that good because let's face it when films go straight to dvd or straight to blu-ray there's always that undercurrent well they're actually not very good it, you know they've got um it, it, it's it's a rubbish plot or the direction is rubbish or it's just it's just a flop so they just bury it on dvd i guess maybe i was thinking like that here but uh, absolutely not this is and could have been and should have been probably a big screen movie 
I think it's going to happen because, yeah. and that's kind of it's fascinating because I find myself reading and saying sentences that we've not said before. And the most successful online premiere, yes, the most watched you know digital movie. Um, it, it opening nights, that kind of things. This is the territory of big screens. You know, uh, you're absolutely right. I see a, a future where either it's going to be done officially or indie cinema is going to create like a Predators weekend yeah. where they're going to be showing this one first and they're going to be showing all the Predator movies in, in, in order. Yeah. For me, the surprise came from how vicious and brutal the creature was compared to previous installments. Uh, much yeah. to my delight, I hasten to add. But the combat, <laughs> the end-to-hand -end combat was just stunning. Yeah, it was. And um, the, the special effects, I think, were just perfect. It wasn't over the top. Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the original Predator in the original film had laser guns and everything, but this time it, it was it was almost pared back a little bit. There were, all the technology was there, all the icons and all the, the sort of the heads-up display and everything was there, but it did seem to be a little bit less sophisticated, and therefore it became more about the hand-to-hand -hand combat, the physical combat, uh, and that just made it so much more exciting. What was interesting with regard to the combat, having watched it twice, now, um, I don't know whether that's actual, the actual truth or just fan kind of getting excited, but they say, oh, this is the first time that the creature has been on Earth and discovering, obviously. And I was thinking, I wonder, because when I was watching the combat a second time, it had elements of, you know, Japanese swordsmanship. <laughs> it had elements of, of um, using almost like a maze, almost from uh, what you would expect from European continents. And the shield reminded me a bit of kind of African tribes as well. That could be just a coincidence, but I wonder whether what we're seeing is a creature that has learned from other nations and it's working, <clears throat> excuse me, it's working its way um, you know, towards the American continent to discover who's the top dog, literally. Well, that that's an interesting segue into what I wanted to say next, because, of course, one thing that really impressed me about this movie was how they created the authentic Comanche cultural references in this film. Now, they obviously hired a lot of people to help them with the cultural references, and they've even made a version totally in Comanche language, haven't they? Um, obviously, there's the English um, version. Uh, it would be absolutely fascinating to watch the Comanche language version. And, and in fact, I, I think if there's one f tiny flaw, and it's only a tiny flaw that this film has, is that the, the US English version actually has these Comanche characters talking in sort of Hollywood um, Valley language, you know, so as I was like, oh my God, look at the size of that predator. A little, I think. I think they, even though they were speaking in English, I think they should have been speaking in English relevant to that time period, rather than talking as Americans would talk today. It was only a small thing, but I think the point is, because they got the cultural references so right, I think you're absolutely spot on. They could make another Predator movie set in Japan, set around samurais, or they could set have another one set, as you say, in Africa, wherever it might be, and 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 effectively show how this Predator has been sucking in the cultures and the, more importantly, the way these cultures fight as part of its adventure. No, absolutely right. And kind of just very quickly, because we must move on to, yes. to, to talk about the, the, the Martin segment. But what was interesting, back to the Mario comment about they understood what we love so much about Predator, they, they kept 
everything that you could almost talk about the personal branding of the creature you know the the noise that it makes that strange clicking sound that is impossible to to reproduce as a human being the the roar the the the, the hit kind of vision you know the, the way in which it would also inspect you know um, items and study yes uh, the, the cloaking you know kind of device everything was there but again it was almost a situation where we, the audience, knew a lot more than the main characters. And there was an element where we thought, you know, what are they going to do? And they were also giving nods to, for example, not wishing to carry too many spoilers, but when she falls into the swamp, you know, making a nod to the, the, the way in which um, Arthur Schwarzenegger's character yeah. discovers mud as a protection, the way they use, you know, um, the three red dots and, and that sound, everything was there, mm -hmm. but it was in a completely different universe and there was a delight. And what is interesting for you and I, as a segue to marketing, we've observed literally the, the campaign starting recently, reasonably recently, and the in the level of buzz and word of mouth marketing that you and I could observe live was so significant. I don't think I've seen a movie of that scale creating that amount of positive reaction. No, and this is this is really interesting because obviously it went straight onto Hulu. It didn't get a theatrical release. And compared to some of the marketing campaigns that we've reviewed here on the show over the last um, two years, it feels like a little bit of a low-key effort, doesn't it? Um, they've, they've created posters, they created trailers, teasers, there's been TV spots. But, you know, f the, this guy directed... Cloverfield Lane, which is another film that we've we've talked about on the show, and the marketing campaign for that was extremely um, sophisticated, if I remember. You know, there was you could you were actually searching for clues to try and find the location of this uh, of this place. Whereas this film is what I would probably say is is just an absolute good old fashioned traditional trailer, poster, and word of mouth campaign. So the movie was released on the 5th of August. So it's literally you know, weeks away from recording this session. And having first dismissed it as, I won't be able to see this because it's only for Hulu, you and I were treated to an amazing teaser trailer, actually an amazing teaser trailer in the May of this year. And I saw it via Disney Plus and suddenly I went, oh my God, no, I'd be able to see this, this movie. And and of course we discovered the, the the title as well at the same time. Yeah. So so the timeline is um, effectively the film was announced November 2020. Um, Amber Mid Thunder's casting May 2021, and the title we got the title um, November 2021. And as you say, it it looked as if it was just going to be Hulu, and I was just as delighted as you were. Um, they tweeted. They tweeted um, back in that time, and the, the tweet is actually a beautiful little picture. It says, an all-new entry in the Predator franchise, Prey, set, um, set in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. See an original film um, only on Hulu in 2022. And the, the, the image that goes with that is of um, Mid-Thunder walking through the forest in fog. And there's a very, very, very barely perceptible outline behind her which could be her own shadow if you look carefully it's the right mm. shape but if you look closer of course it's a shadow of something a lot scarier 
with three red dots, which is again the, yeah. the trend mark. But but again, yeah. you know, you're back to this idea of um, for me, just think, oh well, never mind. You know, <laughs> we'll uh, we may maybe be able to buy the Blu-ray at some stage, or someone will buy the rights. Um, um, so so what is interesting as well, you know, what a brave decision around the title, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would have been so tempting, I guess, to have called it, what would it have been? Predator 6? Five, five <laughs> yeah, or six, depending five. which, which way you look at it, yeah. Yeah. So that that is a trailer, just to go back to it, um, superbly cut, you know, the way in which you talk about, you know, the, the monorail principle earlier. I mean, that was just like, but also it was all geared towards this idea of, Actually, the, the the noise and the soundscape, the sound design was all by the Predator. Yeah. But that, you know, conflict almost just juxtaposition with the, the term prey, it was just so exciting. And and with a relief as well that, you know, I could, could watch it finally. Yeah. And then, but a month later, because, you know, this is a tight campaign from yeah. May to the 5th of August, you have the full trailer where we get to know more about the character. Yeah, and 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 we've you know that that trailer just sells the film. It's it's got everything you need to absolutely. I mean, you you would watch that trailer and you would have probably <laughs> subscribed to Hulu just to just to be able to see it. Um, I, I actually thought that the that the posters were were superb for this as well. I mean, the original poster has effectively Amber Mid Thunder there, but she's got that the sort of luminous green predator blood on her face yeah. now again that is quite clever because if you didn't know much about comanche culture you could be um you could think well actually that's just face paint but of course we know that that's not what it is it's actually predator blood and i think that's mm. really quite quite uh, interesting and i think that there was a tv spot as well came out around the same time as the the, the uh, poster, and that was really focused on the fighting. Yeah, and do you know back to this idea of the the, the no and you you know what we loved about the nineteen eighty seven you know kind of um, first instalment, and to show as well that there was little to no CGI. I mean, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you'll spot it. But there's very very little, and in fact, since the you know the fifth of August, there's been featurettes and more showing. As they did in 1987, you know the the actor wearing the suit, which must have taken just simply hours and hours oh, to of get into effects it. and makeups to get into it. Yeah, and 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 of course the second poster um, effectively had the the predator in it. I think the original teaser trailer and the original poster just focused on Amber's character, whereas they then showcased the predator itself and the size and the viciousness. And the you know sort of the violence and of the tech of of the predator. The, one one of the things that I really liked was as again you know they had the Comic Con um, over in the states in July yes. 2022. And again, this is this is just it feels to me again back to basics marketing. But can you imagine getting your hands on one of these? They actually created a poster specifically for Comic Con, and, and and again the tweet says for all you Predator fans, um, head to the Disney t TV. TV studios booth at noon today to pick up an exclusive prey movie poster limited amounts handed out each day through till sunday you know i bet people were queuing up to get those i mean it's another glorious piece of artwork and i would have been happy to have picked up one of those brought it home framed it and stuck it on the wall but 
It's interesting about the, the posters. I will confess, at first, I just wasn't sure, you know, by the design, I felt it was unclear. You couldn't see the creature so well. You know, I was thinking, well, what, what are they doing here? But of course, part of the experience of watching the movie for the first time is the reveal of the creature. And because it looks very different, you know, and, and the weapons and so on. And I think, therefore, that was part and parcel of this element of, of secrecy. You had to really go into the movie. And going back to the very first one with the character of uh, Naru, I'm told that Nadu is the way you pronounce it in, in Comanche. I was looking at this poster with, you know, the, the green kind of war paint, the blood of the predator, and thinking, that reminds me of something. And it took me days, Roger, to remember that this is almost like the poster of the Emerald Forest ah, with a very long yeah, Charlie yeah. Boorman. Yeah. But we're back to this idea of being amongst nature, amongst trees and so on, which is, as you said, a, an important character um, in the movie. So at first, like I said, I was a little thinking, what's going on with those posters? We can't see anything. But that's... <laughs> Obviously, uh, on purpose, which is perfect. And, of course, they had a advanced screening oh, of the yes. film. <laughs> and, that, I mean, they married it up with a scavenger hunt, apparently, so that at attendees at Comic-Con could search for tokens. Uh, and, apparently, there was they could find an uh, invite to a specific um, exclusive party later on. But actually showing the film there was obviously a stroke of genius because the amount of word of mouth generated by that and i bet a lot of people like you and i were probably taken by surprise with the quality of this you can just imagine the the word of mouth like an avalanche going out the door and and, and sweeping across social media talking about social media i spent far too long on twitter looking at what was <laughs> happening and what i will say for all you know you mentioned that in terms of scale and size it is not in you know akin to 10 cloverfield lane they really really went to town so to begin with they had a multiplicity mm. of the different partners so trunch of century studios literally it's almost like an official social media account takeover if you go on their twitter account you've got the top banner which is about prey they even changed the logo of the trunch of century studio to have that kind of heat um vision that as you as if you were a product which I think is actually a small segment in the um, in the trailer. Uh, what was interesting, they didn't go ahead with the official Prey um, Twitter account or Facebook and so on. They actually used the Predator official mm -hmm. Twitter account, which mm -hmm. shows th th this uh, alignment with with the franchise as well. But again, the top banner is about Prey, and we see obviously the character of Nauru. And you have also the logo from Predators being changed to Prey. And so it goes on with Disney Plus UK, with Hulu, with Star Plus and so on. There's almost, if you like, you know, the Prey is what they are pushing at this moment in time, which is um, fascinating. As you continue looking at the um, tw official Twitter account, Predator, Prey, they, the team running the account, Roger, clearly didn't go to bed. I've not slept for the last few weeks because the amount of retweeting and reaction is just um, nonstop. You have, of course, a fan art galore. I mean, people have gone to town in terms of painting, sculptures, even using computer design and so on to recreate, you know, uh, both Nauru and Sari, the dog. 
by the way, the dog has been praised <laughs> a number of times uh, on the socials as well. But for me, what I got really exciting as a fan is that the original cast from Predator 1987, Bill Duke and Jesse Ventura have praised the film. So not only did you get the buzz on social media, but their praises then got picked up by the printing media. And there were an article about the father Jesse Ventura and Bill Duke were approving of Prey. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the dog, actually, Pascal, because once again, literally the following the week following where we were praising a seagull for its acting abilities, I just thought the dog was fab fantastic. It just it was so well trained and well acted, I guess. You know, again, hats off to them for for making that real dog do all the work rather than cheating and getting a cgi version no. one of one of my favorite um posters is actually the cave painting version of the poster i see right is is just so gorgeously simple again you know what i'm like with my simplicity but you've effectively got two versions of the cave painting one you've got the the english version which just says the word prey and you've got the sort of cave painting version of amber diving off the top and then you've got the cave painting version of the the predator and they're effectively just like stick people aren't they mm. the way that they've done it and then the the great thing is that they've got the comanche version as well i i, I probably won't be able to pronounce uh kutamia is the the uh, comanche version of prey but again the poster is they've replaced the word with the comanche version and i think that's just beautiful that's absolutely beautiful Indeed, and that's what we've seen to the um, into the closing, closing credits, uh, which has led actually for a lot of fans to speculate whether there'll be a, a sequel. Because if you watch the closing yes. credits all the way to the end with this kind of um, native um, artwork, it tells a bit more of the story after obviously um, Nauru comes back to, to, to her village. I wanted to quickly mention, you know, with regard to um, social media and the power of word of mouth marketing, I was um, very surprised, not surprised, but I was delighted to see, because we don't get to have that, that kind of examples, you know, often in the film marketing, that every single member of the crew and the cast were able to talk about the film. You know, it felt like whether you were part of the special effects for the creature, whether you actually were the music composer, whether you were someone just making tea, everybody was talking about the film. I even saw people talking about Prey on LinkedIn who were part of the special effects team and so on. So the coverage from the digital point of view was amazing, but that triggered the coverage in more mainstream media. This is this is actually a very important point that people should should focus on because a lot of companies, you know, we were talking about financial services and compliance earlier on. A lot of companies won't let their staff talk about the company on social media. You know, it's got to be the official account that talks about, uh, you know, the company. Uh, but this is a great example. If if you empower your staff to rave about what you do. You know, obviously give them guidelines and tell them, you know, the limits as to what they can say, etc. But if you get them involved, the word of mouth just increases exponentially. So for, for me, what has been interesting is um, they've also used, you know, expected tactics when it comes to social media. So they've repurposed all the praises that came from, from the media into animations and so on. But for me, in the context of an online premiere and the context of a digital uh, streaming only, to get 92% you know, kind of thumbs up from Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. I don't think I've seen this score ever from that platform. No, that's right. And I wanted to just mention one thing, I guess, before we, we 
draw this to a conclusion, Pascal, is that I came across an article written by, uh, that had an interview with the director in it, where he was describing how the marketing campaign would have looked had they gone for a proper cinema uh, launch. Now, he describes it not in a massive amount of detail. I, I still think the campaign might have been less sophisticated than, say, Cloverfield Lane. But from what they were saying, they would have spent a lot more time just teasing Naru and her Comanche background and the fact that she's going out into the wilderness to prove herself. And they would have teased her as the individual a lot, lot more. And then there would have been another teaser which involved her having the fight with the bear, which is quite a scary part of the film. And they were going to keep the reveal of the predator back for quite a long time to build up that tension. Now I did, and we will never know the answer to this, but I did wonder with, whether that would have been successful. Would people have realized that this was going to be a, a, a really good, exciting Predator movie? Or would they have just dismissed it as well? This is some sort of um, Western or cultural uh, film about Comanches. I'm not really that interested in that. It's a rite of passage for, for a Comanche girl as opposed to a, a, a Predator movie. We'll never know the answer to that, but it's interesting that they effectively storyboarded the marketing campaign as it might have been. It would be fascinating to get a chance to speak to the director, you know, Dan Trachtenberg, and even his colleague, you know, the writer, Patrick Ayson, because there's going to be all this conversation. There's going to be, you know, the same way in the editing room, there'll be things that have been put to one side or in the bin, which may actually make it to the, um, to the Blu-ray special edition. Um, for me, I'm going to watch it a third time now in Comanche, and I can expect that many, like many others around the world, we can't wait for somebody to take the initiative and do a double bill, Prey 2022 and Predator 1987, just yes. watch it all in one sitting because they belong. I think from a from a um, environment point of view, from a texture point of view, from a you know experience which is both visual and um, and oral as well, they, they belong together a lot more, as you've mentioned, Roger, than any of the other, you know, kind of chapters in, in the franchise. Agreed. Oh my goodness. Well, I have no idea how I'm going to kind of move from that to you know, <laughs> wrapping up this um, episode of um, Two Gifts and Martin podcast. I'm going to say thank you to Roger Edward for being a wonderful co-host and for doing so much of the research on Prey. I want to thank you, viewers and listeners, for allowing us to begin a third year of production of this podcast, both available as video and audio-only series. We're going to continue to look at ways to make sure that your marketing is done right. Until the next one, please keep us in mind for marketing, news, tech, and content that can make your life easier as a content creator and marketer. I was Pascal Pintoni, and he was Roger Edward. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.